AGN News Morning Magazine for Wednesday, February 8th of 2023. I'm your host, Hannah Stewart. Coming up first, we hear about an event in Denver tonight, calling on lawmakers to enact gun violence prevention measures. After that, a story about mobile home residents fighting to stay in their homes. As always on Wednesday, we will have Chris Moore's commentary, Make Them Hear You. And then herbalist Brigitte Mars will bring us her regular Wednesday feature, Naturally. A BBC update is at 8.30, and then it's the high tower lowdown. Then, for a public affair, in the first half of the program, host Shannon Young interviews Clarence Lusane about his book, $20 and Change, Harriet Tubman and the Ongoing Fight for Racial Justice and Democracy. Then at 9 a.m., we'll hear speeches from last week's grand opening of the Center for African and African American Studies on the CU Boulder campus. At 9.30, Greg Schultz will be in the Boulder studio for the Morning Sound Alternative. That's all still ahead, but first a look at the headlines with KGNU's Luis Lincoln. These are the morning headlines for KGNU. I am Luis Licon. In the State of the Union address, President Biden reassured the nation and called on Congress to work together to finish rebuilding the economy and uniting the country. He highlighted job creation and bipartisanship in infrastructure and high-tech manufacturing jobs. And he also acknowledged the country's challenges, such as economic uncertainty and growing tensions with China. The president emphasized the importance of cooperation and unity to make progress. The speech was delivered in a highly partisan atmosphere, with Republicans shouting criticism and Democrats applauding the president. The president will embark on a 20-state tour with members of the cabinet to highlight economic progress in the first two years in office. The Colorado Department of Human Services has launched a sexual violence service project with $1.15 million in funding from the Federal American Rescue Plan Act stimulus funds. The project managed by the Domestic Violence Program will increase access to community-based crisis intervention and healing services for sexual violence survivors, including counseling, advocacy, and support. The project will begin on February 1st of 2023, and Coloradans can find local resources and support by visiting the website or calling the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Two residents in the Boulder area are suing the Boulder Valley School District with complaints of the new construction project of a modular home factory. KGNU's Benita Lee has more. David Sue and Harold Cassidy are suing the Boulder City Council, the City of Boulder, and the Boulder Valley School District to stop the construction of a modular home factory on a nearby school district property. The factory is being built as part of a Boulder annexation agreement. The lawsuit claims manufacturing isn't allowed under the public zoning for the property. The lawsuit cites previous construction on the property as an example of the potential impacts on the area, including noise and traffic disruptions. The city and school district have agreed to limit the factory's operating hours to no more than five days a week, and the city will work with an acoustic engineer to measure potential noise impacts on the surrounding neighborhood. The city will also implement noise reduction recommendations and check in on operations in one year, with neighborhood outreach included. For KGNU, I'm Benita Lee. Boulder County crews respond to a shooting incident at Lafayette Gardens Mobile Home Park Tuesday afternoon. 
Lafayette police launched a search for the suspect, described as a bald, light-skinned Hispanic man in either a white or gray sweatshirt. Schools in the area were placed on secure status just before pickup time, but were given the all-clear later. Shelters in place orders were also sent out via the emergency alert system, including over to the KGNU airwaves. As of deadline this morning, police lifted those orders around 4 p.m. without a suspect in custody. The city of Lewis was sworn in two new council members last night. Barbara Hamilton and Dietrich Hofner are now filling in the Ward 3 vacancies until November's election. Hamilton is a senior director of medical affairs and has lived in Louisville for more than six years, while Hofner is an attorney and has lived in Louisville for six years, serving on the planning commission since 2018. Their seats became available after former Mayor Ashley Stolzman moved her current position as Boulder County Commissioner and resigned last month, and Councilmember Kyle Brown was named to fill a vacant seat in the state legislature. A Boulder man in his 40s has been sentenced to 30 months in federal prison for wire fraud in order to pay more than half a million dollars in restitution after he was found guilty of taking money from pandemic relief funds. FBI investigators say Russell Bryant's Lester falsely obtained funds from the Paycheck Protection Program and Economic Injury Disaster Loan and made false statements to the Colorado Department of Labor and Employment to collect pandemic and employment benefits. Prosecutors stated that Lester used some of the loan proceeds and non-eligible expenses and even extended high-interest loans to others. The city of Boulder is inviting high school students from the city to apply for its Youth Opportunities Internship Program, or YOP. The program promotes youth engagement and leadership and provides opportunities for students to gain experience in city government. Applications are open until filled for students entering their junior or senior years in high school in fall of 2023. Internship opportunities include positions like Equity Ambassador Team Intern, Homeless Services Intern, Park Planning and Design Intern. The six-week paid internship program will require students to work 20 hours a week from June through July of 2023. Interns will also attend career readiness sessions hosted by YOP staff to develop their professional skills. Today in Boulder, Denver, and Longmont, we're expecting high near 50 degrees today. And this morning, pack your sunglasses and your windbreaker for a sunny and breezy day. Tonight, there's going to be a high chance of snow flurries as temperatures drop to 20 degrees. For KGNU, I am Luis Licón. Colorado lawmakers and anti-gun violence campaigners are gathering tonight for a town hall meeting calling for stricter gun control laws. Among those in attendance and speaking at the Wednesday night meeting are Sandy and Lonnie Phillips, who lost their daughter in the 2012 Aurora Theater shooting. KGNU's Alyssa Palazzo has more. Anti-gun protesters are asking Colorado lawmakers to appeal a state statute that gives immunity to the gun industry. Colorado's law offers even more protections to the industry than a federal law, which prohibits lawsuits against gun dealers and manufacturers. Critics of the state measure and the Federal Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, or PLACA, says it denies justice to victims of gun violence. Sandy and Lonnie Phillips, parents of Jessica Gowie, who was killed in the Aurora Theater shooting in 2012, will speak at Wednesday's event, sharing their own experience of PLACA. 
the couple unsuccessfully sued Lucky Gunner, the online company that sold ammunition to the shooter. Lonnie Phillips says they were found responsible for the gun company's legal bill totaling $263,000, which forced them to file for bankruptcy. We're kind of the poster child of that. what that law does to people that, that try to protect citizens from uh, harm. And when they won, they felt like they were immune to any kind of prosecution. They continued to sell ammunition without checking people's IDs. Sandy Phillips says, with Democrats in control of the House and the Senate in Colorado, the state has a chance to be a leader in gun control legislation. If we can start this in Colorado, then we want Colorado to be the leader on these these issues. The Phillips have written two books about gun violence and have spent the past decade speaking out about the impact on families and the community at large. Sandy Phillips says America is a traumatized nation. So what's happening in America and has been happening for the last 30, 40 years now is just a continuum of trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. So we're trying to bring that that to light and that we cannot continue as a civilized society when we're doing nothing but damaging one another and continuing the, the trauma experience in this country. State Senator Tom Sullivan, who also lost a child, his son Alex, in the Aurora Theater shooting, is another panelist at Wednesday's event. Sullivan is part of the Gun Violence Prevention Caucus, formed at the state legislature in 2022. Other measures being proposed by the caucus include an effort to strengthen the state's red flag law and raising the minimum age for purchasing certain firearms. The event takes place this evening from 6 to 8 p.m. at the First Baptist Church of Denver, 1373 Grant Street. Former Congresswoman Gabby Giffords from Arizona was scheduled to attend but is unable to due to contracting COVID. For KGNU, I'm Alyssa Palazzo. With affordable housing threatened in the Roaring Fork and Colorado River Valleys, mobile home parks are one of the few remaining beacons of hope. But many residents in these parks don't own the land under their units. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Aspen Public Radio's Hallie Zander reports on how one mobile home park in Glenwood Springs is trying to work around the system to secure their housing for the long term. So you have a, one dog, one cat, and a bird, or? Um, <laughs> that I know. Oh my gosh, and then so many more. Oh, got snakes. got snakes. Felix Jimenez has lived in Three Mile Mobile Home Park for over 30 years, and his family is full of animal lovers. We had this salamander that I captured up in Aspen that I hurt with a little machine that I was working with, and I brought it home. They called her Sally, and she survived for like 10 years after I brought her home. So that, that kind of started our, our thing with animals. He and his wife Lori raised five kids and at least one dog, cat, bird, and a few snakes in this park. And two of their grown children are now living in the neighboring units. So yeah, I own, the, I own this one. You know, and then Vanessa owns that one. And Lori, my wife, actually owns this one and, and Gabriella stays there. But home ownership is complicated in mobile home parks. Jimenez owns his unit at Three Mile, just not the land underneath it. I mean, I could never make the big step up into a house, so it is what it is. I'm here at the park. I've got to live here. 
Until recently, the park was owned by Colorado resident Ben Kruger, who died in 2021. After that, Jimenez and his wife, Lori Bennett, were afraid their housing was in jeopardy. Both of us are getting ready to be retired, and to think of increasing rents on a retired salary, it was like, okay, we're going to get roommates, we're going to sell, you know. And when we thought we'd have to sell, it was like, well, what state do we move to? But when Jimenez met Sidney Shallot, the executive director of the social justice nonprofit Manaus, their options opened up. Manaus and its subsidiary, Roaring Fork Community Development Corporation, have been trying to help mobile home park communities purchase their land. Bennett says Jimenez has been rallying his neighbors to sign on to this effort. He's worked so hard for the past year talking to people and just, you know, pounding on doors. And mobile homes are not truly mobile after a period of time. A lot of people who are priced out of their lots end up having to leave their homes behind. Shallot is excited about the opportunity Manaus has to preserve Three Mile. But in previous years with similar projects, their efforts were unsuccessful. Here's Shallot. None of those projects came to fruition because they, once the parks get listed, it's like a feeding frenzy of bids. And so even if the residents do this miraculous work and get all the financing in order to purchase, they're going to have competition, and the competition comes in millions over. Updates to Colorado's Mobile Home Park Act went into effect in October. Now, residents get 120 days notice when their properties go up for sale before the owner can go into contract with a new buyer. That's up from the 90 days previously required. But even when residents of the Dotsero Mobile Home Park used their time this summer to develop partnerships and secure financing, the seller still denied their offer. Manaus wasn't involved, but they watched that effort from the sidelines. All that work, and I mean significant work, like it was insane, and it still fell through. And so that was just like too heartbreaking. So when it came to Three Mile, Manaus met with the property owners before the mobile home park was listed for sale. Shallot says that was their best shot to avoid displacing 20 homes filled with 90 residents, 31 of which are children. When we learned that detail, we were like, oh yeah, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure they don't have their school system interrupted, that they don't have to move, that the families don't have to scramble to find an extra $1,000 a month for a pad fee that doesn't actually result in much improvement. At first, Shallot had been offered loans that required her team to raise $250,000 from donors by the end of April and pay interest only for the first five years of their mortgage. But last week, given the volatile real estate market, the terms changed. Now they need $500,000 committed by March 3rd, and their interest-only payments are just for two years. That puts a lot of pressure on Shallot's team to double their fundraising efforts in a very short period of time. We're having a hard time sleeping. This is a project that's like near and dear to us. And we, yeah, I, I think I've been working, you know, like 12 hour days lately and my whole team has. The pressure is definitely on in a different way than we were expecting. Shallot says they're still hopeful and have formally asked the current owners to give them more time to fundraise. And if they can pull it off, at least 13 of the park's 20 properties agreed to be a part of the purchase. Manaus doesn't plan to be a long-term landlord, but Shallot says they'll give the residents time to purchase the park back. But the change in mortgage terms gives them a tighter deadline. And other housing advocates are feeling that mounting pressure. 
We had the housing market go crazy as well. That's Don Mulgaris. She's the executive director for the San Luis Valley Housing Coalition. She worked to purchase the Century Mobile Home Park in Alamosa County in southern Colorado. And she knows what it feels like to have a strict window of opportunity. Both of our sellers that we tried to work with held us to the timeline of the Mobile Home Park 2020 Act. But Mulgaris got the state's Mobile Home Park Oversight Program involved to help keep the sellers in compliance with Colorado's new laws. That's because she's seen these deals fall apart in the past. So she warns Three Mile residents of these vulnerabilities. And I will tell them from experience, plan for the worst case scenario, hope for the best case scenario, and be prepared to land somewhere in the middle. If Manaus secures its financing and closes the deal with the Kruger family, that's still just the first step. It could be years before residents take over. But Jimenez and his wife, Bennett, are hopeful. I'm still praying that everything comes together the way they need. And Jimenez says he's willing to put in the time and effort to preserve their little slice of paradise. Development is just happening. It's just everywhere. And it's so nice to have, at least for my kids and myself, to know that there's just forest here still. And that makes the big difference. Getting up, going to work, or resting at night and listening to the water makes it happen. If they're successful, Jimenez and his neighbors will have time to decide what kind of governing structure works best for them, secure loans, and eventually purchase the park back from the Manaus team. Because I'm hoping that maybe residents of other parks will say, okay, we can do this. Hopefully other residents can go, we can do this for our park. For Aspen Public Radio News, I'm Hallie Zander. Up next is Make Them Hear You with Chris Moore. Make them hear you. Make them hear you. And tell them in a struggle. This is Make Them Hear You with ideas on how you can have your voice heard before Congress. Another week, another brutal police killing of a black man, this time Tyree Nichols. Ever since George Floyd was murdered over two years ago, there have been many attempts to codify police reform into law. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2021 was drafted by Democrats and passed in the House, and a strong effort is being made to pass some version of it again. Negotiations between Republicans and Democrats collapsed in September 2021 and again in 2022. The original comprehensive bill would... 1. Allow the Justice Department to issue subpoenas to police departments as part of pattern or practice investigations. 2. Provide grants to states to independently investigate police misconduct. 3. Establish a federal registry of police misconduct. 4. Restrict the application of the Qualified Immunity Doctrine. 5. Require federal police to have body and dashboard cams. 6. Require the same for local police to get federal funding. 7. Restrict military equipment to police. 8. Require police to adopt anti-discrimination policies. 9. Prohibit chokeholds and discourage no-knock warrants. 10. Permissible use of force only when necessary to prevent death or serious bodily injury. And 11. Police use deadly force only as a last resort and de-escalation is attempted. The Conservative Heritage Foundation asserts that banning racial profiling will cause cops to game the system by stopping more women, whites, or Asians than they otherwise would. An alternative bill floated by Republican David Scott would limit chokeholds and encourage body cams, but would not restrict the qualified immunity doctrine, would not ban chokeholds, and would not restrict no-knock warrants, and would not create national databases. Democrats and civil rights organizations oppose the Senate Republican proposals as too weak. Chuck Schumer and other Democratic senators call the Republican bill, quote, 
not salvageable, and so threadbare and lacking in substance that it does not even provide a proper baseline for negotiations, close quote. The legislation did not pass the Senate. Bipartisan negotiations eventually collapsed. Biden repeatedly pushes for the legislation. Congressional Black Caucus Chair Stephen Horsford is meeting with Biden about police reform and invited the Nichols family to attend the State of the Union address. Representative Jim Jordan saw the Nichols video and threw up his hands, quote, I don't know that there's any law that can stop the evil that we saw. The Democrats always think it's a new law that's going to fix something that terrible, close quote. If you have thoughts on reviving the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, you can contact your senators and representative. This is Chris Moore with Make Them Hear You. Time now for Naturally with herbalist Brigitte Mars. Greetings. Welcome to Naturally. This is Brigitte Mars to talk about cabbages, a great wintertime vegetable. Cabbage, Latin name is Brassica oleraceae, is a member of the Brassicaceae or mustard family. So it is a relative, I bet you could tell, of broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, arugula, turnip, radish, maybe even kohlrabi, you know that one and uh, watercress, and kale, and collards. It's a huge family. So I love cabbage because it is a long-lasting vegetable. Keep in your refrigerator for a long time. It's sweet and pungent in flavor, has a neutral to warming energy, and it's very alkalinizing. Of course, it's a great source of fiber, and protein, and beta-carotene, and folic acid. It even has a vitamin named after it called vitamin U because there was a study done where they gave a bunch of prisoners that had ulcers, you know, high stress there, uh, cabbage juice, and it helped to heal their ulcers. So vitamin U is named after its ability to help heal ulcers. It also contains something called indoles, which inhibit estrogens from stimulating tumor growth. And it's very, very antioxidant. So we hear of cabbage having wonderful anti-cancer properties, but I want to share that the properties are really lost when it's cooking. And so some of you who are schooled in nutrition might be saying, yes, well, what about the goitrogens? I heard that if you eat raw cabbage, it can inhibit thyroid function. That's possible. However, I think if you eat seaweed, preventing that's going to help prevent any type of thyroid inhibition. And I think that preventing cancer should be a really primary thing that we, are care, that we care about. So cabbage can help promote regularity. It's good for the lungs. It's said to be good for our brain. You know, it's funny. It kind of looks like a brain head of cabbage. It even has like a brain stem. It's very detoxifying. My French-Canadian grandmother used cabbage topically on anything from arthritic joints to mastitis, even for gangrene. And she would do this by putting a cabbage leaf down on the counter and rolling it with a rolling pin to break the cell walls. And if you find raw cabbage hard to digest, know that you can make it more digestible by fermenting it and turning it into sauerkraut or kimchi. Um, It also makes a delicious salad. And you can also massage it after you've chopped it up fine to make it 
marinated with a little olive oil, salt, and apple cider vinegar. It also is delicious baked. So thanks for joining me, Brigitte Mars, on Naturally. Peace and blessings. That's all the time we have for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host, Hannah Stewart. Special thanks to Luis Lincoln, Juanita Hurtado, Benita Lee, Alexis Kenyon, Shannon Young, Maeve Conran, Alyssa Palasso, Hallie Zander, Chris Moore, and Brigitte Mars for their contributions to today's program. Stay tuned for the Hightower Lowdown and then a public affair. But first, these news headlines from the BBC. BBC.